Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Lewis and Ann are speaking with Christina Di Giovanni, founder and publisher of Emerald Magazine and the Emerald Media Group. Thrust into the cannabis industry while in college, Christina launched her cannabis lifestyle magazine from the Emerald Triangle in 2012, and since then has expanded her media empire across the country, reaching thousands of readers from the Valley in Los Angeles to the streets of New York. Her story, her role, and her vision for the industry are unique. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation with Christina Di Giovanni, CEO of the Emerald Media Group. Hi, Lewis. Oh, and it's been so long. I know. How are you? I'm good. I was at my friend's house last night, um, and we were watching the NBA draft, and we're recording this on uh, June 21st. And out of the blue, one of one of the guys there turns around, and he shows me his phone, and he goes, do you see this? I'm like, yeah, it's your phone. He goes, no, no, no. And he clicks on the little podcast button, and the very first podcast on the, you know, amongst all the ones that he listened to was our podcast. <laughs> Aww. And he was like, he was like totally gushing over it, which was really cool. And the and he's like talking about our, you know, dynamic between the two of us. And I said, yeah, well, we've we've been working together for fifteen years, and we have developed a really good friendship. And he's like, you don't ever do it by yourself, do you? Because I've done a couple by myself, but I, I much prefer to record these with you. I, I they're they're always more fun when it's you and me together. <laughs> No offense to Nick or any of the other substitutes, but thank you. Yes, no offense to any of the other, including Jeffrey and Todd <laughs> and, and, and Nick and whomever I'm else. I'm the favorite. Phil, you are the favorite. I'm going to go harken all the way back. You're my little jar of joy. Oh, jeez. That's, that's an Easter egg for, the, for our four, first four people who ever listened. Yeah. So... New York shit the bed, just like New Jersey. Yeah, it did. I'm sorry. Condolences. I, it's don't condole me. I mean, I, you know, or don't that, give me the condolences. <laughs> yes, it is now. <laughs> um, it's it's really it's really the the people in the state who, you know, it is so frustrating to see our legislators, whether they be in New Jersey or New York or anywhere, kick the can down the road and say, you know what, we're just going to let the, the, the voters decide. We did decide. We decided to send you to Albany or you to Trenton to get this stuff done. And you just didn't. It's so, it's so frustrating. Yeah, but That's I don't, but I also don't think in. it's like a surprise <laughs> to anybody. I don't know. I think that it's uh, this community is so used to like, you know, two steps forward and five steps back. Um, well, you know, when we sat back in December or November, last November when we were in Vegas um, and did the all-star panel that Shay put together, you know, one of the things that Chris Lotlicker and um, – Chris Crane talked about was the incrementalism of the movement, that one of the things that has made cannabis so much more successful um, than the environmental movement is we have been willing to take small steps. But I think we're at the point where where we need to be insisting on bolder steps, right? We've, you know, we're, incrementalism is, is important, but isn't it time for some of these people to stand up and say, we just got to get this shit Enough. done. Yeah. Yeah. It's really frustrating. I mean, I also think it has to do with there's just such uncertainty politically on everything now. It, fe it feels, don't you feel that? Like everything is just more politicized. Everything is more, you know, anti-compromise. It's this, it's my way or the highway. I don't know. I just feel like it's way more 
volatile. Yeah, but, but, but this is getting kind of but cannabis polls so high. I know, I know, and people I think are just chicken, and that sucks. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think we should we should create a uh, a new hashtag uh, when it comes to cannabis legislators. It's hashtag chicken shit. You know, because these guys are just chicken shits. Um, it's it's just frustrating. And and I understood what happened in New Jersey. It was about social equity and it was about social justice and and um, expungement. And they're right. They are not wrong about this. But to not be able to communicate effectively, whether it's the media who has done a, a, a you know, especially the mainstream media who still, for the most part, does a piss poor job reporting on the industry um, to Governor Murphy or Governor Cuomo. And I give Governor Cuomo a lot of credit because he said um, last week that if the legislators in Albany can't get this done, that they should be primaried. Uh, let's see if he actually stands up for that. But, you know, he's right. It's time for these people who represent the will of the people to actually do what the will of the people want. It's it's just it's just an it's just it's not annoying. It's beyond disappointing. It it just angers me. Lewis Goldberg, 2020 people. No, I'm never running for office. <laughs> you could never run never. for office. <laughs> I don't want to run for office. You know what? Because I I I. I would be the anti-Donald Trump in, in every way other than the fact that I would have no filter. I would just literally say what I think, um, you know, and what I think is literally if you look at a picture of Donald Trump and then you take it 180 degrees, I've got much better and real hair than he does. Um, I'm <laughs> not a blimp. Hair. Oh, thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm I am a, a legit progressive um, and I have core values. But beyond that, I'm exactly like Donald Trump. <laughs> I want to just cut that, splice that up, and uh, make that my ringtone for when you call me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> other than Jay, that, I'm exactly like Donald Trump. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of the media, today we are going to be speaking um, with Christina Di Giovanni, who is the founder of Emerald Media. Um, she's a fascinating person, um, and I can't wait to get into the conversation with her. Her stories are great. Um, and she's really kind of, not even kind of, she has bled for this industry. So I, I think, I know you don't know her, um, but you're going to get a chance to, to see what a cool woman she is. She's about to walk into my office. I'm excited. Awesome. So with that, why don't we turn it over and, and start our conversation with Christina Di Giovanni, founder of Emerald Media. So Christina. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you for having me. Um, before we get into what Emerald Media is and what you're doing, let's talk about weed for a minute. Cannabis. Uh, cannabis, Ooh. weed, marijuana, pot. You know, it's funny because you corrected me and, and, his, and historically, you know, for as long as we've been doing this podcast, you know, we've really been focused on using the word cannabis. But it's marijuana and it's weed, you know. I, I think and also, you know, in any sort of bill, it's referred to as marijuana. Yeah. So, you know, we have two two terms. You know, a lot of people, people in the community are trying to shift towards cannabis um, because of marijuana's racial history. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there's there's a fair amount of people that are, you know, stuck on marijuana, which, you know. Like Joe Biden, who is just doesn't still doesn't get it. Old Joe. Old Joe. Papa Joe. Um, but how did you get involved in the industry in general? Like, where? What's your, what's your origin story? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually was raised in Austin, Texas, and the quality of cannabis down there, you know, I was thinking about this on the way oh, over. That was swag. Swag. Okay, so I was thinking about this on the way over. Whatever happened to the days of dank or dro versus swag? Because when I was growing up, it was either dank or it was swag. And there was a clear difference between the two. And so I. Oh, I've never heard that before. Well, I mean, at least in my circle of friends, because back then we weren't as. Um, well, Dank got you high and Schwag got you pissed. Yeah, well, and I mean, we didn't have GSC and GG4 and, you know, Sherbert and all these fancy boutique strains. It was either good or bad. Right, and it wasn't, and it, it wasn't even indica or sativa. You didn't know right. what the hell you were getting. Exactly, you got what you got, and Hot you didn't surprise. get upset. Right, exactly. 
potluck surprise. So I uh, I got caught multiple times by my parents, and uh, after a while, you know, they were like, uh, you know, pot leads to heroin. They were that extreme, and I I was sent to an all girls boarding school in New Jersey, <laughs> where I'm sure there's no drugs there. I mean, and so that's really where my journey began. I remember my dad yelling, like he raided my room when I was at, uh, did he have a warrant? (laughs) He raided, he was good. He knew every spot. He raided my room when I was at church on Wednesday. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. You were at church on a Wednesday? uh, Catechism classes. Oh, okay. CCD. Um, and so I, you know, I was at, church and I come home and, um, the device I had used to, or the device I had created to smoke was <laughs> shredded and destroyed on my bed. And I remember my dad being like, it was very clever. I had a bottle of water and I cut a hole and I took the screen out from under the sink and I pushed it in there and it was great. And you know, you'd put the weed in there and you'd smoke it and like, and he found it, he destroyed it. He did give me props on being so clever, but so that's where it began. It started in Texas, went to boarding school after that. And then uh, for college, you know, I still like smoking cannabis. I didn't really smoke a lot of cannabis. At you didn't school. smoke cannabis in college. You were smoking weed. I was. Yeah, I was smoking weed back then. Um, but I knew I had missed out on a lot. Where did I, you go to school? I went to for boarding school or for college. Yes. Okay. So I went to Purnell, which is an all girls school in New Jersey. And then I went to Humboldt State University for college. And I found Humboldt State on High Times website. I went when I was a junior, when I was a junior in boarding school, I had dreadlocks. I was into it. Hold on. Now, let me, I, I, you, you don't have any clue as to what she looks like, but, um, young white woman, long blonde hair, um, very skinny. So the concept of you with like ratty dreadlocks. Oh yeah. I had the John Lennon glasses. (laughs) I got my clothing off like hippie.com. I was so into it. That was when I was about 17. So I went to Google. I was applying for colleges. I typed in hippie colleges. Nice. And high times had a list of the top 10 colleges in America that were the most liberal. And number one was Humboldt state university. And they had a description under every college. And all it said for Humboldt was dude, it's fucking Humboldt. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, I'm in. And so I looked it up and I applied and I got in and that was in Northern California in the Emerald triangle. And once you're there, you are in the industry, whether you realize it or not, because all the bills, boards, all the advertisements on the radio station, they're all about garden centers and soil and trucks and generators and all of it. So that's how the community, you know, after the logging industry went out, you Mm -hmm. know, stayed afloat. So uh, not the only thing tourism is big out there because it's in the Redwood Forest. But, uh, you know, cannabis is is historically, you know, the community's heart and soul. Um, and I loved it. It was great. It was a great place to go to college. I was there for almost 10 years. Uh, in my last semester of college, I, um, well, my last year of college, I was dating a cultivator. And in my last semester, we got raided like so many other people in Humboldt County and Mendocino and Trinity County. It really is the power of numbers. And if you're in the game long enough, eventually you're going to get popped and maybe not, but you know, I did. So, uh, my ex was actually caught on an Amtrak train, bringing bulk currency back into the state of California bulk as in how much I think it was like 72 or 73,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, he's on an Amtrak train, he's profiled, uh, the law enforcement said, you know, we're from the Reno drug task force, uh, this train is known, you know, as being a trafficking corridor. I'd like to search your bags. And he said no. And they did anyways. And they found his cash and they took his cell phone and they took his money and they called law enforcement in Humboldt County because they looked at his driver's license and they saw his address and they knew Arcata. And so the Humboldt County Drug Task Force came to our house and I was in my last semester. I think I was 21 I think it was 21, maybe 22 years old at the time. And I get this banging cop knock at my door at like eight in the morning. Notorious. <laughs> I jump out of bed and the whole 
dr- um, drug task forces on the front lawn. And they, Inclu- they had the dogs, the whole nine yards. They didn't have the dogs, but they had their guns and they had their bulletproof vests strapped on. <laughs> and my poor landlords lived right next door. They were an elderly couple. They were so scared. I'll never forget the look on their face. And they were defending us. They were like, they're not growing. We do a walkthrough every so often. Like, we live next door. We have the electric bill in our name. They're not growing. And law enforcement was like, nope. We smell fresh growing cannabis and that's our right of entry and we're coming in. So they raided my home. I was detained for about five hours before the judge even signed the warrant, but they had already raided everything except the attic, which is what really came into play later. Um, When the judge did sign the warrant, they went straight into the attic and they found more bulk currency. I'd say maybe around like 50,000. And so, but we weren't growing, which is what they said. Um, we did have cannabis at the house, but under our 215 medical licenses, that was actually covered. Um, what year was this? This was 2012. This okay. was like January 28th, 2012. Okay. And so really, I I, I got arrested. Um, I had a couple firearms. There were a couple firearms in the house. I mean, I was raised in Texas. I have guns. My ex is from Missouri. He had guns. So... Uh, that, and then we had bulk currency <clears throat> and then I had, we had a three bedroom house and one of the bedrooms had a bag of trim in it from like manicuring a plant. And I got arrested under harboring a room for drug manufacturing from that bag. So they really tried to slap whatever they could <laughs> on me. I go to jail. I call my dad. I'm bailed out in three hours. Um, how, I, how did your dad react? He, well, he was married to a paralegal at the time. And so he was like, don't say anything. Like, no, was, no, no. I don't mean about that. But, you know, he, uh-huh. he busted you and sent you off to boarding school for having like a, a homemade pipe. And now you got busted for having $120,000 from, you know, I then mean, illicit drug sales. My dad is a smart guy. He knows what's up. I went to Humboldt County for college. He knows that, you know, cannabis has always been, you know, a part of my, uh, you know, history, I guess. And so he, I mean, he certainly wasn't mad at me. Um, (laughs) He was upset at the situation. He was more mad at my ex than anything. Um, Because in reality, I was just sleeping at home. Uh, I actually didn't do, and none of of anything that occurred to me was mine. You know, I know people say like, that's not mine, but Really wasn't mine. I mean, (laughs) it really isn't mine. It really wasn't mine. But I mean, law enforcement, they went into my wallet. They took my debit card. They drained my entire bank account. They seized it. That's not legal. They can drain your account? Absolutely. They seized everything. But that's local law enforcement, not DEA, right? That's the drug task force. So they are local. They are um, funded locally by their sheriff's department. They're not allowed to do that. Well, they did that. And Wells Fargo, you know, I mean, any bank, I guess. They just, you know, sent me a letter and they're like, hey, we suggest you get an attorney because they came in. And here. then they opened up five more accounts for you without you knowing. it. Right. Exactly. So um, long story short, basically, you know, I decided while sitting in jail, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword and earning a degree in journalism. I was going to put that degree to use. And so I created a paper magazine called The Emerald. And, um, you know, originally my attorney was very nervous. He was like, what are you going to do? You have an open case. Please don't Mm -hmm. be stupid. And so I did a traditional lifestyles magazine initially to really encompass all that the Emerald Triangle was much more than cannabis. And then uh, nine months to a year later, my case was finally over. I got all of my firearms returned to me. I got all my charges dropped. Um, I got all my money back that was seized from my bank account. And um, my ex he had to pay a possession of marijuana fine of $100. <laughs> he had to do 100 hours or so of community service, and he had to forfeit all of his money. He had to forfeit yeah, all that money, the, so they, they basically just, seized it. They, yeah, they just want the money. That's it. It's a business as well. I mean, that's what people should, you know, I, I think some of it, I mean, law enforcement, the Humboldt County Drug Task Force was so profitable from all their busts that they became self-funded. And so I don't know where they currently stand with legalization, but um, that's at least was like word on the street back then. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's how it went down. He forfeited all of his money. We got all of our charges dropped. I got all the firearms returned. Um, and I had the magazine at that point as a, as a sort of therapy. 
to kind of recover. You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know, I eventually, when I rebranded Heavy into Cannabis, I told my story and I invited readers to tell me their stories because I knew I wasn't the only one out there that had experienced this. Mm. And sure enough, people started writing in and I started to publish all of their bad cop stories. And if it bleeds, it reads, and, you know, it gained traction. People, you know, we started to pick up and get a reputation for ourselves. And then uh, eventually a couple of years in, my mother had lung cancer. A lot of people in the industry oh, have cancer. Thank you. And um, so, you know, we started looking into uh, RSO, which is this thick cannabis oil that people use for cancer. I think Ricky Lake just came out with Weed the People. Or yeah, she didn't just come out with it. No, we, we 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 featured her in D.C. at our event then mm-hmm. um, and showed. She's been on the pod before. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. It's an amazing film. It's great. And, you know, ever since my mother's cancer and she's fine now, she goes for regular checkups. But I started making RSO. And so I would only do it when someone would put an order in. But I, I think that that stuff is is great. I think it needs to be explored more. Um but so I really rebranded the the emerald into, you know, uh, kind of a um, cannabis for the modern consumer and really just mm-hmm. started to work towards making, you know, a, a, a perception of cannabis that was positive and household friendly. And it wasn't really, you know, the stoner, hashy, dabby tits and ass that we all know of historically. Look, so. you're talking high times, which I mean, is, there's nothing wrong with high times. No, they're a client they have, of ours, so we love high times. No, it's perfect, and they certainly do reach that audience, but that audience isn't reflective of who is truly the, you know, in the middle of cannabis. It, it's it's men and women of all ages. It's seniors. You know, 12% of our readers are seniors, and they're coming to us for easy to understand, easy to digest information on this emerging industry, and they need to start at square one. And we don't expect our readers to understand what, you know, butane hash oil is, um, you know, and we probably- Avoid it. I mean, and, and so, you know, we really just approach cannabis in that respect and just start from the ground up and really educate people. And, and since we're from Humboldt and from the Emerald Triangle, we, we know a lot about cultivation from seed mm-hmm. to sale. We know about CBD. We know about hemp CBD and cannabis CBD and the difference there and THC and why that's important when you have CBD and, and all the good things that come with this industry. So, Christina, you mentioned that you had started, you know, you had your degree in journalism and you started this almost as a passion project, like a, like therapy and, and, you know, wanting to, you know, kind of reach out and hear other stories. Did you, what was the moment that you thought this is, this is going to be my career? Like I'm taking what is, what sounds like a, you know, a smaller publication and, you know, kind of off to the side. When did you decide like, Hey, I can really make a go at this and, and create a whole career out of it. You know, it's funny because I almost never thought that it was going to, you know, develop into what it has today. So every day, every year has just been such a joy for me because it's my child, it's my baby, and I absolutely love it and I would do anything for it. I guess I didn't really realize that it was had the potential until High Times approached me last year at an event asking me if I wanted to be acquired by them. Hmm. And they asked Edibles Magazine, uh, who's based out of Los Angeles, and I've got a great relationship with her. She's another female publisher. Um, and together we're stronger in numbers. And so they approached her as well. And she had that conversation with them. I didn't have that conversation because frankly, I'm not looking to be acquired. Um, I'm looking to grow and to be that pillar in this industry. And I think that, you know, being opposite of high times does give us a leg up. Um, so you, can you describe the content a little bit? I mean, yes. I know what it is, but, but sure, talk I mean, about what's in the actual magazine. We do a lot of profile reviews. We do a lot of feature stories on entrepreneurs in the industry. We do a lot of product reviews. We're trying to show people what the industry is today. So we'll, we work with a lot of brands that, um, you know, cater to men and women probably between the ages of 30 to 50. Um, you know, whether it's anything from companies that do, you know, breast massage oil to men that do, you know, libido enhancers. I mean, we have featured all kinds of companies. Um, that Wait, beyond just 
using cannabis as a libido enhancer generally there is specific product that are yeah, libido enhancers absolutely we have a monthly gift guide and we feature five or six pages of just products and it's amazing what's coming out on the market you know i mean we we work with uh, a lot of publicists as well and um you know there's everything from toothpicks to you know wait wait i've i've heard that too and i i was like how are the t- yes i was like how much can you really get <laughs> in a coated toothpick exactly really? i mean everything it, it's 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 amazing to what's me. the best the thing that you got like you were like no no way this is this is gonna and you're like oh this is awesome um you know i mean there i remember one time um popcorn which was like you know a cannabis popcorn came around my desk and i was thinking oh my gosh you know this might taste gross because sometimes cannabis doesn't taste so great if it's not no it tastes like the plant it tastes green that's yeah, it how I like green. it. It tastes yes. green. Um, but I mean, the branding was was comical. The product was actually delicious. It was effective. And uh, <laughs> how much was, did you have to eat to get high? I think I had like two handfuls, and I was like, you know, put it down. And then you come back, and sometimes when you eat edibles, it takes a, you know it takes a while to kick in. And then yeah. you realize it, and you're like, whoa, I'm yeah, so high. Like, how am I going to get home? I can't drive, you know? Um, but that brand actually, I don't know. I still remember them to this day. Then there was, there's one product, which I thought was great branding and it smelled great, but I don't have a beard and it was called beard of God. I want that. You got to give it to me. It was called beard of God. And I remember, you know, we put it in the gift guide and you know, it was, it's beer. It's infused beard oil. Yeah. Come on. I know. Anything. Your skin is not a good, like transdermal never works, especially your face is really thick skin. Mm -hmm. So you can't say transdermal doesn't work. Lots of people use it. Well, okay. So medicinal has a great trans. Yeah. All right. So if you're not putting it, I know a lot of people using it actually. Transdermal works. I, I have not had great experiences with transdermal other than for CBD, but for THC, I have never used a transdermal product that has actually worked on me. Hmm. Well, you're special. I feel like I... In so many ways. Like, salves are great. I don't know if you've tried, like, THC salve before. Like, for... Yeah, just all over. It's, like, just a general body lotion. I have one that's, like, a salve body lotion. I thought it would... could be a placebo, but it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. If it, placebo, matter if, that, if it works, it works, so... Um, but the, the cannabis industry has a tremendous amount of media companies, right? You are not alone there, Mm -hmm. you know, beyond high times and dope and Sensi Mm -hmm. and a bunch of others, there's you guys. So what makes you fundamentally different than everybody else? Well, we are a female oriented media company. And so women in weed, it's a, I mean, that's a big thing right now at this industry is, I mean, unfortunately right now, the number of women holding like high level positions has gone down over the last two years, Mm -hmm. but it's still an industry where women are on the rise. And so, uh, you know, we cater to not only the modern consumer, but the modern day woman, she, you know, she's a boss in her own right. Um, we are the big sister in the industry. We, we are the go-to resource for people that have, you know, the most innocent and basic questions to ask us, we're approachable. I think that with a lot of these other large media companies, you know, how close are they actually to their readers? I mean, we are literally hands in the dirt. You know, my writers up in the Emerald Triangle are right there from seed to sale. And mm. and so I think what makes the Emerald really unique is is our, our origins, the fact that we are from the cannabis capital of the world, the fact that where we did start export 70% of the United States cannabis. And so we know a thing or two about it. I think we're cutesy. I don't know what to say. We're chic. We're like the H&M of cannabis, you know? There you go. We're the H&M of cannabis. We're accessible. You know, I mean, I love Nordstrom's, but Nordstrom's is expensive. Not every modern woman can go to Nordstrom's because maybe she's got two kids, you know, and maybe she's like trying to get through college. And so, you know, we are that accessible company that, that makes cannabis available and really lets you know, you know, what the market looks like. Um, I'd like to go back a little bit. To, where are you based now? Are you still in Humboldt? So we are, I guess we are where I am, uh, and that is Brooklyn. Uh, so how, how you know, going back to starting the magazine and, and the Murder Mountain stuff, uh, you know, and, and the experiences you've had in Humboldt, did you ever person, and being a woman in the industry, did you ever feel at risk, um, you know, especially given your past history with law enforcement? 
So my history with like what people have seen in like Murder Mountain and of that nature is um, that is out there and it is scary, but you will find drugs and meth in any community. And I think that it's really, you know, there's when I was my first grow scene, my first outdoor grow scene was in Trinity County in a notorious place called Trinity Pines. And the land was very cheap. And, and that's Murder Mountain. Yeah. Is that in the show? We should tell and everyone Murder Mountain's a show. Yeah. Murder Mountain <laughs> is a show on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and that takes place in Southern Humboldt County. I did grow about three hills over from that mountain. <laughs> Um, not in Southern, just over yeah. there. Yeah. I, not, it was more in the middle of Humboldt. Um, okay. and so, you know, I mean on that particular property, I felt safe because I knew the owner, he was a good friend and you know, we were near water should we ever needed to escape. But, um, <laughs> did you have like a go boat ready? It was like a stand-up paddleboard where you're gonna be standing like paddling yeah, it was really more fast. Like an inner tube, and then we'll be like, see you at the end of the highway, coming <laughs> <laughs> up down yonder. Um, but no, I mean, my my first year growing outdoors, I was in Trinity County, and uh, Trinity Pines was the neighborhood, and cheap land brings cheap neighbors. And there was a lot of meth out there. There was a lot of, I think the parcel I was on was only $10,000 an acre. It was two acres. So it was very attainable. If you're, if you're growing cannabis, you know, I mean, I think back then the price of the pound was like 2,500. So really, you know, you needed like, you know, 10 pounds and then you could buy yourself a parcel and then you could grow your own cannabis. And that's kind of the way of thinking out there is how many pounds do I need to, you know, um, owner finance this property, you know, owner caring is a big thing. And so, um, that was a little scary. I did get a 30 out six at that point because I was a female out on the Hill. Sorry. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a rifle. It's a hundred. Oh, got it. I'm from New Jersey. All good. That'll make sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I got a 30 out six hunting rifle and, um, it was, it was for, you know, like bears or anything like that, but also, you know, for protection because I was alone out there on a hill and I had two partners. They were a boyfriend and girlfriend and they would frequently leave to go into town for the weekend. And, you know, someone had to stay and watch the plants. <laughs> and so uh, that would be me. And, and yeah, I mean, those are crazy. And this was after your ex who got you arrested? No, this is actually the year before I met him. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it murder mountain. I mean, it's, it's not truly reflective of Humboldt County, uh, and, and the true culture of it. It's just, you know, a story, a situation that happened out there that, you know, they were able to make a full documentary about and, and it does happen out there. I mean, people do go missing. I mean, um, I've heard stories of trimmers being up on someone's hill for a month and then getting paid out in counterfeit and then going to the bank to deposit and they, you know, they realize it's fake money. And by the time the police get up to that property within, you know, an hour, that grower is gone and out and out. So, you know, a lot of people have empathy for the illegal or, you know, the, the illicit growers. The black market the, growers? Yeah, I don't like using the word black market because it's just as fraught as marijuana has a history. So, we, you know, it's the same okay. way we say with cannabis, we say illicit. Um, you are the first person to educate me on that. And it wasn't mansplaining. So Okay. No, um, it's not mansplaining. I, I am I'm learning. So. Yes, but – do you have empathy for, for, for the guys and the women who are still growing illegally or, or I, I certainly think that the system is designed to weed those people out. Unfortunately, if you can pay to play, you can stay in the game and the average mom and pop grower can't afford a cultivation and a manufacturing or a distribution license. Those licenses are very expensive uh, and, and it's completely understandable that they can't afford it. I think I, I do have empathy for them and, and, you know, I, I want to see them survive. I want to see them succeed. And I don't want, you know, the Walmart of cannabis to come through, you know, because there will always be the Budweiser of Bud. Um, 
but you know, I mean, there needs to be the craft cannabis market mm-hmm. as well. And it is important to know your farmer. Has California done a, 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 these people a disservice by making it so difficult or because I thought they had changed the rules for They've changed it so many times. So for, for, so for an historic mm-hmm. illicit grower, mm-hmm. how hard is it for them to get a, a, a cultivation license? So I know in Humboldt County, you have to have been living there for a certain amount of time in order to qualify, at least in the first round of mm-hmm. license distribution. Um, I, I, I want to say, well, I mean, you have co-ops like True Humble, and I think their minimum was you had to be a cultivator for 10 years, you know, to be in there. Um, I think that was it. But, you know, I certainly do do feel for those cultivators because it's they want to be legal. They want to get above ground. And as though the man keeps them down. So, well, you named the magazine Emerald because you come from the Emerald Triangle, and now you're in Brooklyn. Explain, please. Well, the Emerald <laughs> Triangle is still where our roots run deep, and uh, we are the cannabis cultivators, uh, you know, um, of the United States with seventy percent export. Well, it's not we, baby. You're still you're in you're in Brooklyn now. So, and that Brooklyn is not the 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 epicenter of cannabis culture. Right. Well, I'm not putting Brooklyn out there like I am. The right. Does Brooklyn have a cultivation scene? Not so much. But not I think yet. I think the people of Brooklyn would like to see what the cultivation looks like. Mm-hmm. And so we are the media source to bring that to them. So, um, you know, we we cover more of national content than mm-hmm. just local content. Uh, you know, we cover politics from all over. We cover politics from Humboldt and from New York. We've been doing a lot of New York coverage with their um <laughs> There's no shortage of news, right? <laughs> They're not so passage. Um, and so, you know, but our content is really topical and relevant to readers all over. Because of our product reviews, mm-hmm. a lot of the products are CBD, so people can really obtain them anywhere that they live. Right. Um, you know, we do do dispensary tours in certain states so people can understand and see, you know, what a dispensary looks like. Wait, what like. do you mean you do dispensary tours? You take people I, on dispensary, you take readers on a dispensary tour? I send a writer on a dispensary tour to go feature the dispensary. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, just so people in California can see what Colorado's up to and what people in Massachusetts can see what California is up to and, mm-hmm. and just really get a feel. And, and, you know, people travel to California all the time. Uh, cannabis tourism will pick up in the Emerald Triangle. And we, you know, are that resource guide for cannabis in the capital, America's grassland. Uh, so we ask a lot of our entrepreneurs these questions, um, but can you talk about, as it pertains to the magazine, maybe not like, you know, post-Humboldt um, grow mistakes, can you, are, are there any mistakes you've made in your career as a publisher that you just thought would either kill your company or what you did to overcome it, or you just, you had sleepless nights over it, um, and what you learned from that? Sure. Um, you know, I think that... Print is a very expensive um, vertical, and it's hard. Uh, that's it. It can it can be a hard one to sell. Um, I think that cannabis, fortunately, has you know kind of revived print in a way. Uh, there's a lot of cannabis magazines out there, and you know there's something luxurious about magazines themselves. You know they're seen as as an item you know that you take time with, and you know you put aside ten or fifteen minutes to to go through a magazine. And so I'd say that as an entrepreneur coming out of college with, you know, not that many business courses under my belt, um, I think, you know, learning about, um, how far, you know, everything from, I mean, in my industry, it it comes down to paper. Was that the most efficient paper type? What was the thickness? What was the weight? What's the distribution? You know, I mean, it's all the logistics that come with, with print because you have to find the right printer. You've got to get the look down, right. You've got to get your courier set up. So did you screw up? I mean, mean, or I, I lunged too forward. I lunged forward too much. Um, you know, I've one, one time someone gave me business advice. He said, if you're not leaning forward, you're falling back. I believe that to a certain extent. However, if you lean forward too much, you will also fall over. Um, (laughs) and so I was lucky to have cannabis on my side. I was a trimmer. 
I was a manufacturer. Um, you know, I was involved in the industry. And so where advertising may have fallen short in the beginning years, um, I was able to make up with money that grew on trees. And, <laughs> and so, you know, when I first launched, I shouldn't have done, you know, I forgot what I did. I thousands of magazines. I should have started low, go slow and built up, mm -hmm. but I was excited to get it out there and I wanted to get it out there. And I had, you know, my trim money behind me, which I mean, used to be $200 a pound is very profitable. You know, you could do like three pounds in a day. You know, you were out there five days a week. You're making good, some good money. It's 3000 bucks a week. So all cash. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of how we rolled for, you know, I didn't really care about selling advertising for like the first two or three years because we were hill rich. And so I've never heard that before. Oh yeah. We were hill rich. And, uh, you know, my, my ex believed that we were doing something good, that we were actively combating bad law enforcement. And he was all the more happier to support me. He supported me financially for the first two years while I got it off the ground, you know? And I mean, and then after two years, it it gained its own traction. People started calling us for advertising. That was kind of the real switch over. Who was the first advertiser? Yeah, that you were like, oh shit, I can't believe they actually want to advertise. Yeah, I had. Oh shit, I need a sales deck. <laughs> I had a restaurant in Humboldt County come to me with five hundred dollars, and they were like, we want to advertise in this magazine. Everyone is reading it, and I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> Like I was shocked. I was like, okay, you know, and, and it's funny because I just, you know, being a in the journalism department at Humboldt State, you don't really have courses on the advertising department. And so, you know, I was like, oh, okay, you know, my overhead was was low, but I mean, I I would say that, you know, I did print a lot in the beginning. I probably could have honed it down and then worked my way up. But like I said, I was hill rich and it almost was. So where, what is your distribution now? Where, where can people find the magazine? So we distribute primarily in Northern California. I have done Southern California, but it's kind of a rat race down there. And it's a shit show down there. I mean, the dispensaries, it's like there's they're open one day and then they're shut down the next day and then they open up on the second floor. Mm -hmm. Like and so after I did that for like a year and I was just like, where am I even distributing down here? I don't even know. L.A. is so crazy. So I pulled out of Southern California I, and I'm in Sacramento Oakland, Berkeley, San Francisco, Sonoma County, mm -hmm. Mendocino County, Humboldt County, Trinity County. Not so much Trinity County because it's a little farther east, but along the northern California coastline. Um, I do hit a couple spots out in Brooklyn because that's where I'm at. So naturally, I just put it around the neighborhood. Um, and then we have hit select uh, dispensary locations in Boston. So um, I do have a Google map on our website if people wanted to hone in. But I mean, people... What we'll do is we'll put a link to the show notes because I know that there's a subscribe section on your on your website. So we'll make sure that we highlight that, too. Cool. Have you thought of alternative distribution points? Because your magazine is a glossy and, and if you haven't. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Described of luxuriating yeah. with it. Have you ever thought of going into like nail salons or sure. other and just putting them there. Whole Foods Market, um, we, we hit, I like natural food stores. I think that that really hits our demographic right there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, nail salons are good. You know, the thing is about a nail salon is we're looking to put down a stack of 50 to 100. Uh, a nail salon needs like two. <laughs> so it's like, well, all right. And I've seen them there. I've seen them surface at nail salons and I'm like, I didn't put this here. Um, <laughs> But and that that's always how about like doctors offices. Doctors offices are good. Dentist offices are good. Uh, chiropractors are good because alternative. alternative health and wellness. So, you know, and, and we're really trying to bring people outside of the industry into the industry mm -hmm. by just educating them. Spas and yeah, yeah. spas spas are great. Um, some clothing stores have been good. I remember in Humboldt putting them at all the thrift stores. Um, there's one thrift store in in a, a town in like Fortuna that, that loved them, that just burned through them. So, you know, those are good too. And they're free and people love free. I think that's one thing with having a publication is that if you're going to sell it, it's, you know, I mean, gotta be spectacular. It's gotta be spectacular. And not that the Emerald isn't spectacular, but it's free and everybody loves free. You know, 15, 20 minutes ago, you were talking about growth, mm -hmm. right? Growth costs money. Mm-hmm. Are you, how are you raising money? What are you looking to do? Talk a little bit about what your plans are from a growth perspective. 
Sure. Um, so from a growth perspective right now, we are in the middle of just fleshing out multiple verticals. We're getting set up. We have um, a handful of podcasts behind us that we're about to launch in July and we're setting up like a video news segment. Mm -hmm. I already do a news segment every Monday uh, with the Jono show. And so we're going to be doing our own you know, VNR packages for the Emerald, getting out there to different events, VNRs, video news release. So just doing, you know, uh, reporter packages and really just being a video news source for the industry. Uh, one that's relatable, one that's catchy, and, and one that, that's quick as well. So uh, we're fleshing that out. We're also building a stock photography site. There really is a need for positive representation and imagery in this mm -hmm. industry. And as people are uh, coming into the industry, they're developing their businesses, they need that that positivity. And so there's not a lot of options out there. There's, there's stock photos out there, but everyone's using the same thing. So, um, you know, and I actually, you know, realized that when, um, we had a banner made and someone walked by and they're like, Oh, I've used this picture before. And I was like, what? Um, so, so we have, um, we have that coming. Uh, we do have a product line coming soon, which is a cosmetic line. Nice. So that is very exciting. And you're raising capital. And we're raising capital right now. Um, and it's going very nicely. And, um, yeah, we've got a shop in Williamsburg opening up and, um, you know, I'm like an Emerald branded storefront. Um, it's going to be where we do all of our recording, but we're also going to have our products there as well. And oh, so, how cool. Yeah. No, we're really excited about that. Um, we're, you know, we're really just growing into a full-fledged media company. And so just really being that go-to resource in the industry for newcomers. And since we've already been around for seven years and we're from the cannabis capital, we're already positioned to succeed. So we've been doing well. Are there moments that you call your dad and you say, see, I smoked pot <laughs> and I built all this and you threw my shit away? I mean, I do. I do still. Well, you know, my dad, he definitely smoked weed back in the day. And so he was just, you know, being a dad. My mom was like the crazy one about it. And so to this day, you know, I still call her out sometimes. And she's like, what do you want me to say? Like, you're my daughter, you know, and I'm just, she, well, you should, your response is what I'd like you to say is pass that shit over to me. <laughs> she was more the paranoid smoker. I mean, I believe her when she said she smoked pot once, got paranoid, and never did it again. <laughs> that sounds about right for her. Um, you've made mistakes. You've had some great successes. There are not, as you said, a lot of other women who are doing what you're doing. If you could give some advice to somebody looking in to get into the cannabis industry now, what would it be? It would be to make sure... To, to be slow to the finish line almost, but not too slow. I think that people can produce a product overnight or a brand overnight and it's terrible. And if you have a terrible quality product, mm -hmm. if your packaging is bad, if your branding is bad, I mean, go slow and do it right. Because I see a lot of people desperate to just jump in and they just throw something out there or it's just a burner or a B grade company. Um, I mean, it will be wasted resources and wasted efforts. And I think that it's just so important to take your time and do it right. And to always be talking to people, um, you know, you're doing market research as you have a conversation with someone, you, you know, listen to people that you speak to in this industry and just try to absorb as much information as you can and keep getting opinions. You know, I still, to this day, as do you like this layout? Does this look good? Does this sound right? What do you What do you think of this? You Does know? this look good on me? Yeah, I mean, it's just like always, always, never be afraid to ask for opinions or for everyone has an opinion. We all know that, so people love giving that. But you know, I think that I think it's important to take your time and do it right than to just rush it and be there because you know this market is going to get oversaturated at some point, and so if you have a quality product then that is really what's going to keep you alive in the end. So for all intents and purposes, you are, you grew up in this industry. Um, you are OG, um, you know, and now as a, a publisher and as an entrepreneur, and, you know, we talked about some of the, uh, the fundraising that you're doing, how do you feel about the suits coming in, um, you know, to the, to this industry that is so historically, you know, gray market and, you know, I guess, how, how, how do you reconcile that? Or do you see yourself reconciling it? Or is it just another day? Oh my gosh. It's so funny you asked that because, um, 
I was at this capital summit and I was texting my banker because every single person in there was a man wearing a navy blue suit. <laughs> not me. Yeah, I was not. No, you were literally the only person not wearing. Like, you, what you're what? that day. And I even remarked on it. I was like, you look great. You look <laughs> but, and he was, my banker is so funny. He was like, and I bet their noses are held high up in the air right now. And I was like, oh my gosh. But it's, it's actually like for me personally, I, I take joy in the little things and I love people watching. And so I get a kick out of being in the middle of this. Now, like my thoughts uh, on, uh, you know, corporate America coming into cannabis, ha having these, you know, the suits coming into cannabis. I think that, um, I mean, it's, it's very hard to fundraise. And I think that you really have to align yourself with the right, with the right suit. And, um, and so, you know, I mean, from my perspective, it's comical. I feel like I should have a video camera following me around the, the ups and the downs and, and the whole, the schmoozing. Um, last week I was at a cigar bar for four hours Ugh. schmoozing and it worked, but I still have a cough. I had to burn your clothes too. And how mean, long did it take for you to wash your hair to get that smell out? I mean, that's the third time I've schmoozed at a cigar bar, you know? <laughs> That's, that's where deals are made in this city, you know? And so, like, I don't know. I mean, right? Is that where deals are made? I don't know. I've never made a deal in a cigar bar, but that's Whoa. okay. There were some deals going down. But um, it's just – it's it, that that's, like, comical to me. Um, but then I, I, I hear, you know, the industry's cries when they, when they feel like corporate America is taking away their chance at having an opportunity in this industry. And, you know, coming from California – I think there was about a five-year uh, period before corporations could get into the industry, uh, which which is great. You know, it could have been a little longer, but um, you know, I think it's inevitable, unfortunately. And and the the best thing you can do, and like I said earlier, is you're stronger in numbers. You know, I have a a partnership with Edibles Magazine because she's a woman in weed, and we really appreciate what each other is doing. And high times try to buy us both out, and uh, or have that conversation, I should say. Um, and so, you know, align yourself with like-minded brands so that you are stronger in numbers. Um, and, and that fear is, is real and, and, you know, it's coming, but also, you know, I think being a media company, um, you know, cannabis is very California, but we are a media company and the media really is in New York city. And so that's where we need to be to fulfill our mission for the industry and to bring, you know, um, to bring it back home to the industry. And so, you know, for me personally, like I said, um, I'm just kind of eating it all up. I, I, I've got, you know, I mean, I say that, you know, advertising is not my favorite thing, but I definitely have a salesy personality and I could chalk it up and I've never met a stranger. And so when it comes to the suits, I can take them on. No problem. You know, I mean, like I can hang at cigar bars. I can drink whiskey on ice, like, you know, and I can one also one big cube though, not lots of little ones. R right. Right. And you know, and I also get up at five 30 in the morning and I run five days a week. So, you know, I mean, I can, I can take it on and, um, you know, I just say for other people that are very anti, you know, corporations, corporate money getting into this industry, partner up now, um, you know, make friends, don't make enemies, be stronger in numbers. So I, I have a question and then we're going to go to our last question to be respectful of your time. But a lot of our clients and our guests who are in the industry who touch the plant kind of give a nod and a wink saying they want it to stay federally illegal for just a little longer so that they can continue to build out their business so that you know either that they're able to last on their own or when they get bought out their valuation is high enough they don't want the federal government to you know to deschedule tomorrow they want it to stay like let's go state by state let's take it slow what would descheduling what impact would descheduling have on your business do you want do you want it to flip tomorrow or would you rather it remain a bit of a walled garden well i think that it's better for the people that it, it flips tomorrow and having been arrested for this plant you realize mm -hmm. how ridiculous that is and the fact that you know my family had to come out of pocket with thousands of dollars just to get me out of jail when you go through that experience you don't ever want it to stay illegal and so I have to side with the people. I think for me, there'd be plenty of news to cover. So from my business's standpoint, there will still be a need to educate people on what mm -hmm. the market is. So I think from an Emerald Media standpoint, we would be just fine. 
you know, and personally, I I vote to legalize it because, you know, I, I don't think cannabis should be a crime. I really think it should be explored. And um, and nobody should go to jail for it. Nobody should certainly go to prison for it. Absolutely. On top of that. So. Uh, this is another question that we ask all of our guests in our wrap up. Um, but I, the, and the way we have it worded, Lewis, I'm going to flip it a little bit. Let's say um, this wasn't the, the issue of, of Emerald Magazine. What what headline and what story would you like to see? Uh, what's your dream headline and your dream story um, and what publication would it be in? And you can't choose Emerald. Um, I would like to see like I believe the mag. Is this an industry magazine that I'm picking out? It could, it could be whatever you want. It could be it could be the Wall Street Journal. It could be. It could be Oprah. Maybe <laughs> Oprah. Maybe like um, it'd be interesting to see like a National Geographic uh, story that went deep into the history in like the Hindu or the Kush mountains and really like traced back the origins of cannabis. But I also think it would be Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be really awesome. Um, I also think it'd be really interesting to do like a scientific piece on why THC is necessary for CBD to be, you know, truly medical and beneficial. Mm. I think that with this hemp hype on CBD, people mm -hmm. are, people don't actually understand that without THC, CBD can almost harm you in certain situations, mm -hmm. can make your tumor grow. And so you need that THC to kind of, in a sense, paralyze that tumor long enough for the CBD to help your body to naturally fight over it. That information just isn't out there enough, and there's not enough science. It's funny, I know a publisher who could actually, you know, assign somebody <laughs> to do that. It needs some. We need we need research. We need more scientific research and data so that we aren't just, you know, coming up with fake news. That mm. we've got some background to it, you know. I, I know that we said that was our last question, but I have one more question. Okay. Um, Encore. You know, almost all of the Democratic candidates, all 23 of the 23 dwarves out there have come out in some way or another in favor of cannabis legalization. Do you think that your readers and that just cannabis consumers care enough about this issue to have uh, their vote influenced in the Democratic primaries? on where a, a candidate's position on this this topic is. You know, Joe Biden was a a, a warrior against legalization for years, mm -hmm. like almost Jeff Sessions level warrior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, will cannabis enthusiasts Play? hold him accountable for that? Um, I don't know if many of my peers are going to vote for Joe Biden. I just don't know, you know, so I, I think that um, those that know their history will certainly hold him, you know, accountable for that. And I think, you know, probably most people don't, don't know. They only know what's on TV right in front of them, unfortunately. And so I think that a candidate's stance on cannabis will definitely, you know, sway a voter uh, one way or the other. I went to a uh, political fundraiser this past week and she lost me at pot. She said, we're going to legalize pot. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, lady. Like you are run like this is your platform. And like you just called it pot. You also basically just imply we're all like I don't just say like pot. It just felt like she's calling us like stupid. Like, I don't know. I got that. And and it was again with the marijuana cannabis term, you know, um, she kept calling it marijuana. And I feel like if you're true, was it call her out um, a senator? Gillibrand? Yeah. I mean, and I got a very nice picture with her, which I'm still going to post on Instagram. And she's great. But She's a nice lady. But, I mean, the thing is, it's like if you're going to use cannabis to your advantage, you have to do your research and call it cannabis. I understand that marijuana is used in legislation, but, like, be above that. That was the event that Tahira was at, right? Did you re did you yeah. get to meet Tahira? Um, I think she was too popular for me. Uh. <laughs> uh, she's from NJ Freeway. Yeah. I tried very hard and I waited about 10 minutes and then I, uh, I, I had to go. So, but, uh, she looked like a lovely young lady, very popular. Um, so, <clears throat> but anyways, I went there and, um, you know, I mean, she just called it pot she called it marijuana and she talked about the social equity program. And I felt like it was just paraphrased to her, like mm -hmm. as someone, as a publisher, that's, that's working with these equity applicants, 
I, I see the struggle that they have to overcome. You know, you have these people that have been oppressed for generations. Then you say, okay, you can move to the front of the line because, you know, we unjustly, you know, uh, prosecuted you during the war on drugs. And then they're like, all right, well, thank you for giving me this dispensary license, but I don't have a million dollars to put in this dispensary. So, so that's where the conflict is. Then you have someone Look, come in. I, I think if you, if you've listened to any of these candidates, Cory Booker is the one who is far and away the, the most aligned with the cannabis industry. Okay. I mean, that's my experience with him and, and yeah. you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, but Corey is so far has been the best. Yeah. I don't know where Mayor Pete stands and I'm a big Mayor Pete fan. Mm -hmm. I, um, I mean, personally, it, she's not a Democrat, but Jill Stein, I love her. I mean, she's also batshit crazy. Well, all right. Now from a humble standpoint, she comes to the humble County cups. She yeah. talks to us. We've interviewed her in the magazine. She's great, but she's literally like, I, like flat earth crazy. I wasn't aware of her views on that. <laughs> You're not serious, are you, Lewis? Uh, it maybe not with that specific, but <laughs> okay. if you look into some of her issues, I mean, it's like it's flat earth equivalent, like anti-vaxxers, shit like that. Like, yeah. Well, she was a joy to interview, and you know, I just uh, maybe I'll run for the Green Party someday. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be cool. All right. We're going to let you go. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and, and to our high net worth and institutional audience members, um, if you're interested in finding out about investing in Emerald Media, um, we will put an email in the show notes. You can also reach out to us directly. Um, and full disclosure, we are um, partners with Christina. We represent her. Um, and she's just awesome. And they are just awesome as well. It's a good part. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Our thanks to Christina D. Giovanni, founder and CEO of Emerald Media Group. You can find them on theemeraldmagazine.com and hit the subscribe button on the upper right-hand corner. The magazine is absolutely beautiful. I promise you won't be disappointed. Check them out on Twitter at The Emerald News or on Instagram at The Emerald Magazine. As always, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. Or feel free to drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We love your feedback uh, and we're always looking for guest ideas. So drop us a line. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay. One take.